From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm Jason Dick, Roll Call's leadership editor, and I'm joined by our White House correspondent, John Bennett. John, welcome Thanks for to the me. Big Story Podcast. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this end-of-year drama that we're starting to see. The president has has uh, you know needs Democrats to to come to the table and to negotiate some of these end of the year spending packages and debt limit and so forth. The Democrats, uh, you know, there was a little bit of drama yesterday uh, as we approach this December eighth deadline to fund the government. Let's like kind of re- let's recap a little bit what happened yesterday and talk about what we can expect to see uh, as as this this sort of unfolds. Sure, uh, another wild day in the Trump presidency to be sure. I think it was perhaps the most chaotic day since uh, General John Kelly took over as chief of staff. Maybe early on there were a couple that rivaled this, but as far as legislative action intersecting with the White House, this was was a pretty remarkable day. The president started uh, started the action early in the morning with a tweet. As he often does. As he often does. Uh, but this seemingly out of nowhere, uh, lashing out at Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, the congressional Democratic leaders. And this was hours before uh, an afternoon meeting where he was supposed to meet with Pelosi, Schumer, and also uh, Speaker Ryan and um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And they were supposed to talk about this very thing, this massive spending bill that's needed uh, to finish out uh fiscal year 18, but also avoid a government shutdown that they all say they don't want, at least they say that publicly. The president has alluded to maybe a, a, a quote, good shutdown, whatever that is, uh, might be needed to, you know, get Democrats to just to, to agree with him. You know, more on that in a second. But uh, Schumer and Pelosi answer a few hours later and uh, say they're not going to the White House because in the president's tweet, he said he doesn't see a deal with uh, with the Democrats because of their stances on immigration and some of the demands that they've been fairly um, fairly upfront that they're going to demand like the DACA immigration program be addressed in a spending bill or at least some kind of guarantee, um, maybe some border security. They have other demands. The thing about this is, uh, and I didn't get a chance to ask, ask this at a White House press briefing on Tuesday that was canceled, why did the president cut a deal in September that handed the Democrats the leverage that they were trying to cash in as these things start, as these negotiations start, and then the president um, attacks them for trying to cash in the leverage he handed them? That's the question here that is that is lingering, and also where do we go from here? Uh, well, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan went to the White House they had the meeting uh, without them. There was some stagecraft. Reporters were allowed empty, in. There empty were empty chairs. There were empty chairs. Empty beso- chairs buffering the, right. the president. On either side of the president with placards with uh, Schumer and Pelosi's names. and on made, made me think of the Clint Eastwood speech at the Republican National Committee uh, convention in, in right. 2012 yeah. when he addressed an empty chair. Right. Uh, that was supposed to be Obama or something. I don't know. People it are was still trying to figure be, it out. Right. It was supposed to be Obama. And then on the, on the other side of those empty chairs at the end of this rectangular table – Several feet away from the president were uh, McConnell and Ryan. I, to to the, the point where the TV cameras had to pan and scan. It was a wide like, shot. The, like an old right. VHS uh, tape. You know, they panned right. from one end to the other because they couldn't fit them all in. So mm-hmm. you only had three people, but you had to keep sort right. of going back and forth. It was, it, I thought it was amusing. 
It, it was it was an interesting bit of imagery. I know what the White House was trying to do. Uh, I'll let others debate whether they pulled off uh, pulled off that bit of messaging or not. Um, a White House that has trouble staying on message, uh, at least that picture is there and, and they can use that. Earlier in the day before this White House meeting was scheduled to take place, the president did go to the Capitol uh, to meet with Senate Republicans at their weekly policy lunch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he talked about taxes and talked about the need to stay together and to get a legislative win. And it seemed to be a fairly, you know, collegial thing, except for a little bit of back and forth with Ron Johnson, uh, who is, is opposed to the current tax legislation, even though he voted for it in committee yesterday. So the, the, the president went, met with Republicans at the Capitol, then was scheduled with this meeting. And, you know, the tweet threw this all into uh, chaos, as, as you stated. And the question that I, I have and that several I think people also have is that what sort of what's in it for Democrats to cooperate at this point? Because let, let's recall, like they Republicans don't need Democrats to pass this tax bill because they're using the budget reconciliation mm-hmm. process, which mm-hmm. avoids the filibuster. But when it comes to the appropriations process and passing spending bills and lifting, you know, caps on spending and so forth, these big, big sort of things, this is all has to go through regular order. This has to, this is subject to filibusters. Mm-hmm. And also the Republicans don't have even their own caucuses on board on this. Right. So the Republicans, you know, in the House and the Senate and in the White House need Democrats. Democrats don't need them. So what is, what is the motivation for Democrats, if you're a Democrat, to, to cooperate with the White House and, and people who are taunting you on Twitter? Well, you know, I've talked to Democratic members about the the tweets for months and months now, and I talked to some Democratic sources uh, for a story that we did earlier this week on this very question. And, you know, to kind of summarize, they say this is big boy football and we're here to put points on the board and we're not we're adults. We're going to be the professionals. We're not going to worry about what the president says or tweets about us. We're going to try to get things done. Folks on the Democratic side I talked to this week, um, they reiterated that they they need our votes. This is a one of the few times that Republicans need Democratic votes to pass something, to avoid a shutdown, which will very much be on their watch. They control the House, the Senate, and the White House. Um, they would own a shutdown, pretty much. They need Democratic votes, and Democrats have a list of things they want to get they, they you know they'll tell you they're not they know they're not going to get everything on the list but they really feel this is a chance to get things like some some kind of fix for the DACA immigration program the child health insurance program that needs to be reauthorized they want to get that there's a list of things and democrats see this as maybe their last opportunity for a few years to get some of these things signed into law and Trump doesn't want to shut down. Uh, we saw that back in, in April and, and September. Um, he doesn't want the federal lights to go out. Uh, we know this is a guy who, even folks close to him, they talk about his insecurities. That would be a big blow, I think, to Trump. And Democrats really want to get some of this and try to get it done as soon as possible. And they feel like they have leverage despite the taunts. Just from a raw political perspective, heading into the midterm elections and keeping your political enemies from scoring a win, why 
is it really worth it? Do, do some of these Democrats you're talking to, do they really think it's worth it to just get a few extra bucks in domestic spending and maybe a, a legalization program for, for the DACA kids? Is that worth handing the Republicans a huge win? Because the, basically, once they resolve that, they don't need Democrats again for another few months. They can pass tax reform. They can pass, you know, they can confirm another bunch of uh, passable of judges. Uh, and, and they don't need Democrats for any of that. So this is the only thing they need Dems on. Is it worth like some basically what would be kind of like a small strategic win? And I'm not talking about the morality or the wisdom or anything right. like that of, of some of this public policy, uh, such as providing a, a path to but citizenship. De- but, for, but, but, but Democrats do. And that that's the thing. They do think about the morality of the DACA program and making it permanent or more more permanent, getting some kind of fix. Democrats very much think about that. They think about right and wrong. They think about public policy, and they say, think about the policy, ignore the taunts, let's get this done. That's the mindset they're in, at least for now, and that's why Schumer and Pelosi said they would negotiate with Ryan and McConnell. They still want to negotiate. They still they want say to they get— will, they will negotiate in good faith, they think. Right, they, they right, say. Okay. right, which is a bit of a shift. Um, there had been some Democratic frustration, but, you know, after doing the deal with Trump, again, kind of out of nowhere in September— um, now they feel like they can't deal with him, and and they but they still think they have leverage at least over Ryan and McConnell, and there seems to be confidence that Trump would sign, pretty much what they send him, especially if there's more military spending. Maybe he gets some funding for the wall, probably not wall funding. I you know it seems like uh, Trump could say he got a lot more border security funding, drones, more money for agents interior enforcement, things like that, that Trump can can boast about while also saying he's rebuilding the military and essentially trades that for one, two, three things that the Democrats want and keep uh, keep the government open, which is, I think, something both parties would like to do. I think that's, that's the difference, is Democrats really think about they want to do what's right for these individuals who are affected by the DACA program. And yeah, they are willing to hand Trump a victory on military spending. I'm, I'm not sure how much of a change that is. There, there have been these deals on on spending because of the budget caps in the past. Um, Trump kind of changes the dynamic. He changes every dynamic. But I think that's the difference. I think Democrats really are willing. Yeah, they're willing to give Republicans a win or two, feeling if they can get something on DACA in this bill, it's a bigger win for them. So going a little bit deeper, I mean, some members uh, of the, particularly the Senate, like say John McCain has, has, you know, there is a lot of speculation that the the path to getting him to sign on to tax reform is to making sure that there's a deal on, on raising the cap so that they can fund the military more. Again, if, if Democrats do that and they, and so, the, and they, they sign off and they give, uh, you know, they, they sign off on a, on a budget deal. But that enables the Republicans to get a tax reform thing. Again, isn't this sort of politically, isn't this running a counter to what you're supposed to be doing as a minority party or as an opposition party? Is it just handing over more things than they need to? It very well, it very well might be. Um, Democrats could very well uh, come to regret uh, cutting a deal that, that then allows McCain to go vote yes on the tax bill, which they vehemently oppose and think is bad policy. Uh, Democrats could regret this deal, but 
you know, right now they're focused on trying to get some of their priorities signed into law. They just feel like this is their last chance for a while. And do you think we're getting out of here before Christmas, John? <laughs> you know, having covered uh, uh, more than one of these uh, situations, I am I would um, put I would push my chips in for maybe uh, a five week CR, and we get to do this all over again in January. But I don't think we'll know that for a few weeks. So the the chaos will continue. So Washington will do what it's best, which is punt. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. John Bennett, thank you so much for uh, being on the Big Story Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you uh, for listening. I'm Jason Dick, and thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. For more on this, and particularly John Bennett's excellent stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall and at CQNow. Thanks for listening.